Welcome back to another episode of My Neighbors Are Dead. I'm your host, Adam Peacock, and we're all familiar with the big names in horror. Freddy, Jason, the Florida skunk ape. But who we're not familiar with are the ones just outside the terror, the ones who didn't get to tell their tales. But before we get to this week's guest and who else is going to help me do that, we'd like to send a very special thank you to our Patreon patrons. First up, amazing folks from back home in Michigan, Lauren Jewell, Betsy Aretz, and Mark Nashan, who you may know, he does the show art for My Neighbors Are Dead. Thank you guys so, so much. And also a huge thanks to Regina Whaley, Samantha Kramer, and Brett Rapp. Uh, thank you all for your continued support, guys. It really, really means a lot. And if any new listeners would like to support the show, please go to patreon.com slash my neighbors are dead for more details. Now that is all out of the way. Let me introduce this week's guest who will be helping me tell some, some of those horrible tales the host of the Crush Fictionally podcast, Kimberly Trong. How are you, Kimberly? Ooh, I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for sitting through that whole thing very, very kindly. You did it so fast and so succinct. It was wonderful. Hey, thanks. Um, <laughs> I, well, we're going to talk about Let Me In, the Chloe. Uh, yes, we are. We're going to talk about the remake of Let the Right One In. But before we do that, talk to us a little bit about uh, Crush Fictionally. Okay, so Crush Fictionally is basically me and my co-host. We, you, you ever have been attached to a character where you feel as though they're a real person, you care about them as if they are like a family member or a friend? That is uh -huh. what this podcast is about. It's about those characters who've like we've attached ourselves to, um, we hate them or we love them, we love to hate them, whatever that might be. And we come up with a theme every week and each person, including our guest, comes comes in with a character that we're like, this person really got me. Um, and we talk about why, you know what I mean? Why uh -huh. we love them, uh, why we hate them or why we love to hate them. And it's a, it's a good time. It's really just a uh, our love letter to these fictional characters, not necessarily the actors who play them, but the fictional characters that sure. we adore and how they came to be. I was just talking to a buddy about the Sopranos because in the quarantine, oh, my girlfriend God. and I did a deep dive on the Sopranos and how David Chase, like he did a bunch of stuff to make people hate Tony even more because everybody loved him so much. <laughs> and I was talking to a buddy and I was like, I used to get mad at AJ in earlier seasons, was like, you know how great it is at Tony Soprano's, your dad? I would kill to have Tony be. I think I missed Those the point of the kids. kids. Those right? ungrateful kids. They don't realize how good they have it with their dad, <laughs> how their dad could le legit have their heads one day. For sure. Uh, and they're, you know, they just back talk a lot, a lot. But yeah, AJ's a total shit. And with Tony, you really only get one chance. If you do something he doesn't like in that episode, he's not going to talk to you anymore. Oh, that's and that's on the good end. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? That, For sure. <laughs> if you are still alive after that, you're doing great. Yeah, um, no one's safe. Yeah, no one's safe. That's a fantastic show. I actually, uh, one of the episodes we did a mobsters episode, and Tony Soprano was my number one choice, my, my pick for that week. Have you seen him do the weekend update, um, like correspondence as the as a resident of New Jersey? No, James it's, Gandolfini doing this. Gandolfini comes out and he does Tony Soprano. And it's when Tina Fey and Amy Poehler were still hosting Update. <sighs> and he nails it, Kimberly. Oh, it's wow. so funny. Like, he kind of in a weird way, like, subtly threatens Tina Fey a little bit at some point. <laughs> and it's so charming. And it's so, like, yeah, it's so <laughs> like, great. I still am yeah. okay with this. <laughs> yeah, it's um, amazing. That is fantastic. No, I have not seen that. I'm putting that on my to watch to YouTube list tonight. Absolutely. Everybody else do the same thing. 
but before we do that, or before we do that, uh, let's talk about uh, Let Me In. Why did you pick this film? So Let Me In, uh, look, I'll be the first person to say that I'm not the biggest horror person. Um, yeah. It's not something I actively seek out. I am kind of one of those people who's like, I, I do want, like, I guess, I don't uh, this sounds a bit arrogant but like a thinking man's horror film i i want that yeah. um not arrogant at all horror film? i don't want to sound like that person but you know what i mean like i don't want just slashers and like um teenagers getting slashed i, I know that can be a good time for a lot of people but it's not my bag mm-hmm. um let me in though is a movie that i saw totally by mistake had no intention of seeing it i can't wait to hear more about this Oh, it's fantastic. We were originally supposed to go see, I want to say, The Town. (laughs) Was it The Town that I was trying to see? It was me and a group of work friends. And we were, uh, we went to the movie theaters, we bought our tickets. So we went to go into our, I believe, The Town to go see, uh, to get our seats or whatever. And as we walked in the entire place was just packed there was nowhere for us to even sit how they even sold us tickets i don't even know um we go back out we talk to the movie theater guy and we're like hey it's totally packed in there and he was super nice and he was like oh go and see another movie that how about this one let (laughs) let me in it starts in like five minutes and we're like eh, sure why not so we wander in to let me in uh, actually, I think we wandered in five minutes late. And so I missed the first, like, and it's kind of pivotal. You do want to see those first few minutes for people who haven't seen the movie. Sure. Um, because it starts, like, in media res. Um, so, uh, well, actually, technically not in media res. They start in the middle, and then, then they go back to the top. And is that what? I don't know. I, someone, yeah, it, <laughs> someone help me out with the media it's good. It's good to be there for the first five minutes, if you can be. <laughs> <laughs> for all movies in general, I suppose. Yeah, right? for, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, uh, I'm giving you guys all this backstory you don't need. But No, uh, this is great. I love it. We walk in a few minutes late and I'm like, God, what is this movie? Oh, my God. It's a horror movie. Oh, no. So <laughs> I'm a bit of a scaredy cat, which is another reason why horror isn't always my bag. And I immediately fell for the story. If you have not seen the sto- uh, the movie, I won't give anything away. But. Let Me In is based off a Swedish movie, funny enough, made only a few years prior to um, called Let the Right One In, Mm -hmm. which is based off a book. So it's based off something based off something. (laughs) Um, And as as American filmmakers do, we can't just take a foreign film and bring it to the U.S. with subtitles. Absolutely not. No. (laughs) No, we got to remake the whole thing. Of course. Um, So they remade the film. It stars... uh, Chloe Grace Moretz, who was like in her heyday at that time, she was killing it. She was in a, uh, her career was really flourishing. She's so talented, and it is about this lonely boy. And he, you learn that his parents are going through a divorce. I won't diver- divulge any spoilers or anything. And um, he befriends a girl who moves into the apartment complex that he lives in, and the girl moves in with her dad and she's there's something very strange about her she doesn't wear any shoes it's in the middle of winter she walks around barefoot in the snow uh she only seems to really come out at night and uh right from the moment they meet she's like we can't be friends and he's like 
okay, well, you know, they're like 10 years old, right? They're right. supposed to be like 10 or 11 years old. And he's like, all right, well, <laughs> wasn't saying we're, you know, trying to be friends or whatever. And um, they have, and then ultimately, of course, one thing leads to another and they end up leaning on each other. And this kid, not only is he having trouble at home because his parents are divorcing and it's a rough divorce, he's with his mom, who seems like a bit of a religious fanatic in a way. Um, and uh, he's also getting bullied heavily at school. So, uh, yeah, so it's a vampire film. Mm-hmm. And you come to find that's not a, this is not a spoiler. The girl is a vampire. Um, but their relationship is so sweet and she is like a guiding force for him, uh, an unexpected guiding force for him. And they ultimately become best friends. Um, and he really leans on her in a lot of ways. So it's very beautifully done. There's very haunting moments again that, um, there's a, there's a moment in the film where, He's, it is not a spoiler, but he's, he peeps out his window and he like spies on his neighbors every now and then. And one of his neighbors is working out to David Bowie's Let's Dance. <laughs> and there's something so yeah. eerie about the way they designed the music in that moment. And it's like echoey, but it feels far away. And it's just, you know, this little boy in the middle of the night, and he's looking out this window and he's looking at his neighbors doing their thing. And, yeah their own apartments and it's so eerie but it's so beautifully done and also i mean i love david bowie but you should know Mm -hmm. you should never work out to david bowie music (laughs) no none of all of his songs are great none of them are appropriate for working out (laughs) i mean especially let's dance there's something it's so funny again like it's i'm sure people are going to listen to this and be like what is eerie about the song let's let's dance but i'm telling you right now the way the sound designer i tip my hat to that person whoever sound designed it in the movie because it is so eerie and i can't hear the song now i can't hear the song in the same way anymore and I tell you, what, if you movie. can't find the movie or if you don't feel like doing it, download that song and work out to it in the mirror and <laughs> tell me if you aren't fucking petrified. And and also do it in the middle of the night with your window curtains yeah. open <laughs> yeah. and make sure that a little boy is staring at you as yeah. you do it. And then come talk to us about our, our, our prejudices against David Bowie music in the gym. And now you get it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, so uh, it, it's a it's a really beautiful movie. I do agree with you. Uh it, to meet the thinking uh, man's criteria of a film, what about what did you take away from this this movie um, as opposed to just like a slasher film? So, um, it, it's I love how it's um, these two people who find each other. It's it's a very eerie love story Mm -hmm. and it's uh, the way they explore coming of age and this kid, he's awkward. You can tell that, you know, he's going into a new phase of his life too, but he seems to be lost and he seems to be teetering on the edge. There's something, there's a few things he does at the very beginning of the movie that kind of have you like, "Uh Oh, Mm -hmm. is this kid going to turn into a monster as well? Because he is surrounded by monsters, it seems like, in his own life. Right. And this unexpected, I don't want to say creature, but, you know, this unexpected type person ultimately helps him 
change and they kind of change each other. Um, oh, I don't want to give anything away. Oh, but do it. Like, people have had enough time. What's that? People have had enough time. You can do it. <laughs> yeah. Hit pause on this podcast. Yeah. Go watch the movie. <laughs> yeah. Come back. Go watch but, it. Uh, there's a twist in the movie. So Rich, Richard Jenkins, who I'm also a big fan of, he's in the film. He plays what you think is Chloe Grace, Grace Moretz's dad. But because she's a vampire, she's been stuck in this like 12-year-old body for what we have come to find out is a long time. Mm -hmm. So he is not her dad. And there is a, oh, God, there's a moment where you're like, uh uh-oh, there's something here where Richard Jenkins, he finds out that what we thought was his daughter is seeing this boy who lives in the building. And all he does is say to her, I don't want you to see that boy anymore. And I want to say she does something as simple as put her hand on his shoulder. Mm-hmm. And it's a moment where you're like, where you're like, oh, and it's like a sixth sense moment where you watch it back later and you're like, oh, mm-hmm. they were lovers. You know what right, I mean? And right. now he's older, uh, much older. And he's doing all these things, these horrible things so that she can get blood mm-hmm. so that she's not out killing and he's out doing the killing for her. So then he's betrayed because now she's seeing this new kid in the building. And it's just this weird, it's got so many layers. And I think it that to me is what I think made it, and I hate using this term, but the thinking, you know, person's horror film is that it felt like there was multiple layers here. And it wasn't as simple as like, I'm a, I'm a little girl vampire and, you know, I do these For things. Sure. There was these really complicated relationships and I loved it. I loved everything about it. Uh, yeah, I don't. It's funny that, you know, this a thinking person's thing could be seen as like a pejorative with this stuff, but I'm yeah. with you. Like, I love that stuff. I love, and that's, horror does such a great job of accomplishing that. At least, you know, we talk about it all, all the time on here. I like all that other crap too. Like, I like, Same. like a slave, you know, a slasher movie, just like anybody else for no reason other than, than they're fun. But I really dig the same things that you are digging about this as well too. Ooh. And it's fun. It's fun when a movie does that. It is. It, it's um. It's unexpected, and um. To me, I think it just gives it another layer to the film because it, it it's funny to think of Let Me In. To me, it's funny. It is a horror film, mm-hmm. but I think it's so much more than that. It's like more. It feels like a drama. Um. It definitely is a drama, but it almost feels like eighty percent drama, twenty percent horror. And I'm sure um, there's people who watch it who who get it as just it's a little girl vampire and that's cool like you know what yeah right on man you like cool (laughs) i'm down for chloe grace moretz playing a little vampire i'm totally okay with this yeah you know everybody enjoys it for different reasons (laughs) (laughs) now let me ask you this kimberly you you saw this movie by accident and i think you had a very insightful uh heartfelt thought about the film and you recaptured it perfectly can you do that for the town have you seen the town? And can you do it for that? Because I love the town. It's oh, I great. love the town. I've seen the town like about a billion times. I think it's one of those movies that now plays on like TNT every other weekend or yeah. whatever. There, maybe AMC or something. Yeah, I still have. If it's on TNT, like at a three o'clock on a Saturday, it's game over. I will watch that. <laughs> 
all three hours of it. Yeah, for me, it's like, all right, Town, Shawshank Redemption. Absolutely. Anything with Tom Hanks. All right, you got me. You got me. So I think, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Let Me In, much like The Town, focuses on friendship. (laughs) It really does. When you boil down The Town, it is about your friendships and loyalty, right? Right. It is, yeah. But also how like those those little jealousies can kind of fester and in ruin a friendship because Jeremy Renner was mad that he did nine years. He should be happy that Ben he Affleck so wants mad. to get out of town. He was exactly J- Jeremy Renner. Yeah, he was he was no bueno in that movie. Um, the town, great movie. Um, the only thing I found totally unbelievable about that movie is all these car chase scenes in Boston that would never happen in real life. You They'd lived in Boston. Yeah, they would be. They would have been stuck in traffic. There's just no way. I'm like, they're driving like what down what looks like the north end. That mm-hmm. would have never happened. You're lucky if you can like yeah. turn onto a street on the to the north end <laughs> and like make it down the road like five miles per hour. And they're like, they've got these like fifty mile per hour car chase scenes through downtown Boston. Never would happen. Never. The one that I thought was. That every time I watch it, I have that same response of like, that would never happen is when they're, they're driving to the bridge and he pulls a Yui to get back on the other. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's like, oh. it's right after the first big robbery. Like they're driving yes. up to some bridge oh and he, he's like, right. I got it. And he pulls a U-turn and like suddenly he's just gone. <laughs> never would happen. <laughs> it just would never happen. Yeah. I mean, even if, you, yeah. right. even if you were able to, yeah, even if you were able to pull the U-turn off, you wouldn't just disappear like he does in the movie. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, they clearly were like, okay, we get it. Like, it, they just like that. They were like, all right, well, it's Boston. We got it's an action movie. We got to do what we got to do. Let's just forget about it. Yeah, um, totally suspend our disbelief about the uh, lack of traffic here in the I, I think- town. <laughs> Definitely, I think Affleck had the conversation of like Boston is a character in the movie, so I think <laughs> we should showcase it as such. Yeah, yeah. Um, the oh god man the town i the town also <laughs> is like one of those movies that i almost get mixed up with other boston based movies that happened around the same time yes like i will get it mixed up with the departed sometimes <laughs> yep yeah i know it's really bad to say but like but if i really think about if i give myself a moment i'm like oh okay this one's the departed this one's the town but you know there were so many i feel like uh i was actually living in boston at the time when they were making these movies but there was a lot of massachusetts film credits that they were doing and all Mm -hmm. these like hollywood uh productions were coming out and they're like all right well it'll take place in boston so i feel like there was like five years of major films happening based in boston I was, we just watched over the holiday break, the Bryce Dallas Howard movie where she's a super spy. Have you seen this? It's like, she's like an assassin and John Malkovich trained her and Colin Farrell's the big boss and all this. And part of the end of it takes place in Boston. And the last shot is like the rock quarry where Ben Affleck worked in the town. And that was my response when I saw it. I was like, Ben Affleck worked there in the town. (laughs) I mean- Look, they they put their stamp on it. It it has hit you. In That's the right how good place. that movie is. That's the yeah, exactly. I often think about the Rock Quarry. And funny, uh, funny enough, I used to drive by that place, and I was like, oh, funny. And I'm pretty sure that anybody who drives by that Rock Quarry also associates Ben Affleck working there from the town. I mean, you got there first. <laughs> he was the first one to do a big establishing shot at that Rock Quarry. <laughs> like someone drove by and was like what's that and they were like oh that's like a rock quarry thing oh great ben affleck's character is gonna work there um yeah 
it's cool looking i mean it's right off the highway like yeah yeah like a good view it feels very boston because i feel like that's a place where i never see anybody at um (laughs) it's just uh it's just like an institution off the highway it's uh permanently there a permanent fixture um, is it one of those places that just like is like fully automated where it's running but you don't see anybody at it um i (sighs) Every time I've driven by it, I've never seen any activity. But that could be me. <laughs> like my sounds very... like I'm gonna sounds like a little bit of the mafia. Um, well, I mean, fits kind of fits the town. Great. Now I'm gonna <laughs> now get we... we're gonna get murdered. I know. Uh, Kimberly, I would. I wish we could keep talking Boston. There's so many Boston movies we could talk about. Uh, Forever, Shutter Island. Right. Uh, Goodwill Hunting. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's it. That's it. That's it. Those but, are the four. Uh, unfortunately, we have to take a break because while I love Boston, I certainly love New Mexico. And we have uh, Lily Lang, a resident from that apartment building from Let Me In. She's going to come by and talk to us for a little bit. But Kimberly, thank you so much for coming by. Thank you so much for having me, Adam. Hey neighbors, Adam and Nate here to talk to you about Patreon. Now, this podcast is possible due to our Patreon patrons, and you can become one by going to patreon.com slash my neighbors are dead. Supporting the show on Patreon's easy. You pay what you can, and in return, you get my neighbors are dead merch, behind the scenes info on how we make the show, a shout out on future episodes, and more. You may be wondering what we use this money for. Well, we use it for things like production costs, website hosting, traveling for the show, and our monthly meds. We are both severely medicated sad but true now podcasting isn't cheap and we appreciate any help you can give if you'd like to see how you can help out the show go to patreon.com slash my neighbors are dead thanks for listening and now back to the show thank you welcome back and thank you so much for joining me here today Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I'm super excited to talk to you. I was just spent some time in your state. I am talking to Lily Lang. That's me. Uh, resident in Los Alamos, New Mexico. That's right. How is New Mexico? Uh, New Mexico is an otherworldly place. You mm-hmm. arrive here and you just feel like you've... You've you've come home. I, I was recently just in Corona, New Mexico, and it's very beautiful. So I I, I understand how you would feel that way. Uh, Corona, New Mexico is nothing like Los Alamos, New Mexico. Is that right? What are the what are the big differences between the two towns? Uh, the fauna. Excellent. Uh- <laughs> It's totally different. If you were to Mm -hmm. do an analysis of all the fauna between Los Alamos and Corona, you would see that it's wildly different, Adam. Okay. I will have to do some of that research. I'm not, I feel a little ill prepared then to talk about it. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Um, So we were kind of chatting a little bit. You, uh, you have sort of a, an eclectic group of neighbors in an apartment building that you live in. That's sort of why you reached out, why we were talking. Talk me through that. What's that been like for you? Um, look, I'm not going to lie. Uh, apartment living is 
not necessarily for me. I'm mm-hmm. used to living out in the wild. I have been in the desert for many a years. I decided to finally be with civilization. I figured it would. It, it's time to finally leave the desert, go live in civilization a bit. And so when mm-hmm. I decided to move into this apartment building, it was a fantastic deal. The neighbors seemed to be somewhat decent and uh, believed in recycling like I did. And that was very important to me. So anyway, um, the neighbors overall, nice people, but um, we have, we have had a few strange events recently. I had a neighbor go missing yeah. and was later found dead. Uh, and then another neighbor, she was doing fine. She was doing fine. I saw her. I said, hey, how you doing? She was mm-hmm. like, I'm great. We passed each other at the mailbox. Next thing I know, she's lit on fire at the hospital. Don't know how that happened. Wild. Wild times. So what does that do to uh, an apartment community when two of your residents are murdered in such, or not murdered, but die in such horrific fashion? Does that bring a community in an apartment together? Does it drive you apart? Does nobody really care? What is that? What's the mind frame like? Uh, Quite frankly, I think it has made us all turn on each other. Um, I definitely look at my neighbors with much much scrutiny like I Mm -hmm. haven't had in the past. Again, when you live out in the desert for as long as I have, uh, you pick up on signals, uh, whether it's from the celestial bodies in the sky, giving you some sort of indication as to what is happening on earth. Sure. um, Or if it's like a tiny little bug crawling over a beautiful cactus. Um, but the neighbors, though, they're strange as hell. That's for sure. Yeah, I I do want to talk about those. But Lily, you kind of brought this up twice now, and I I don't want to I, I want to make sure that everybody understands. You mentioned that you were living in the desert. Uh, talk me through that. Were you have you were you born out in the desert? Did you just find yourself in the desert? What or if not, what took you there to begin with? Okay, so picture it. It's 1979. I'm working at a Wells Fargo bank. Mm-hmm. I'm a teller for Wells Fargo. Pretty good job. Yeah, I was uh, moving up the ranks. I was doing my thing. And uh, this old lady comes in and she makes a very small deposit. Um, she asked me for a lollipop. I said, yeah, sure. Of course you can have a lollipop. And then it dawned on me. I don't belong here. I immediately went to my boss. I said, I'm so sorry, Mr. Weatherstein. I am leaving. I'm heading out to the desert. And next thing I know, I'm living in Mojave, living my best life. And that was 1979. And here we are, 1983. And uh, I don't know. I almost feel like I should have stayed in the desert because the uh, apartment living, you know what I mean? If if it's it's not, if it's not, your neighbors having wild sex at 3 a.m., you come to find out that one of them has been murdered. And that's not, I never had that in the desert, you know? No, I feel like you could probably be a little more free to do your own thing and not have to worry about other people's problems. Yes, it was wonderful. I mean, my biggest problem was figuring out where I was going to dig a hole for my poop that night. Do you think 
that living in the desert is maybe something you always wanted to do, but just found the perfect excuse to just do it? Do you think like maybe that was always a part of who you were? You know, I do think that there was part of me. You you did ask earlier if I was born in the desert. I do think that spiritually I was. Sure. And I had always been disconnected from my spirit. And then mm-hmm. my body and my spirit met up when I went went back to the desert. So what was your question again? No, I think you just <laughs> you you nailed it. I think that's that's a perfect answer to the questions. Uh it seems like this is such a positive thing for you, such a, uh, a, a transformative process for you to find who you really were in the desert. That's great. What is the main difference between desert living and apartment living? Mm, toilets. Um, toilets and running water is a really fantastic invention by man. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to lie. Trying to dig for water underneath cacti is not exactly how you want to spend every weekend. Um, and I don't have to do that here in Los Alamos, New Mexico in my apartment. But then again, I've got the neighbors screaming in a foreign language and I don't even know what they're arguing about. So it's a give and take, right? I admire your stick to to, you know, to really discover who you were because you mentioned that you th- your biggest problem might've been digging holes for your, for your poop. So you did that for four years before you got back to plumbing and and toiletry. So I congratulate you on that. The, just the effort and the belief in yourself, I think is really wonderful. Thank you so much. Um, I truly think the inspiration came from the song. John Mellencamp had a song that came out in 1982 last mm-hmm. year called Hurt So Good, and that was the inspiration. It's a great song. I love uh, John John Mellencamp. He's great. So I'm glad you did it. Now, you're back in apartment living, right? And you find out that two of your neighbors, two people in this building have been, they've died horrifically. And you said the first thing that everybody did was turn on each other. Lily, is there any chance that maybe you wanted to turn on your neighbors the whole time and you just found the perfect excuse to do it now? You know what? I might have exaggerated. Maybe I was the only one that turned on all my neighbors. In fact, now that I look back, Nancy in 7B, she was really wonderful to me. I think she stopped by and actually asked me how I was, and Mm -hmm. I might have thrown her cookies back in her face. But um, yeah, maybe there is a part of me that is still wild, that is still running like the wolves and the coyotes out in the desert, and I don't belong in Sunrise Springs apartments in Los Alamos, New Mexico. Well, but you're giving it a shot, and I think that's what's most important is, you know, this is going to be a a life fully examined, I think. It is a life fully examined. I mean, look- Do I have a lot of amenities in this apartment? Sure. Yes, there's a nice playground outside. I've never played on the playground, but at least there is a playground there for the children. There's Mm -hmm. a lovely little boy. He plays out in the playground. There is a strange girl that he meets up with every now and then. She never wears any shoes. Mm -hmm. I often wonder, hmm, maybe she's wild like me and she belongs in the desert. So I have yet to make that connection with her, but 
I see her spirit coming out with the lack of shoes and I feel a kindred spirit with her. But anyway, a lot of amenities in the apartment. I also have television. Didn't have mm-hmm. that in the desert. Got to watch the finale of MASH. Great show. It is a great show. Jamie Farr, Alan Alda, it's, it's just, it's a, it's a great show. I wish I would have seen all the previous seasons, but I was living in the desert. So I got to catch the finale though. So that was great. Well, that is, I mean, I kind of did the same thing with the show that I liked all the time called Breaking Bad. So I, I understand where you're coming from with that. Mm, um, I guess, where do you fall on, on children, especially, especially living in an apartment? Cause I know it can be kind of loud. So you mentioned two kids in your neighborhood, uh, Owen and Abby, where do you fall on kids? Yay, nay, indifferent? I think kids are like any other living being. Either they are here and they have purpose or they're here to destroy your purpose. One or the other. They either have purpose or they're here to destroy your purpose. One or the other. Some may call it good, evil. I don't like to look at things as good or evil. It's purpose. Mm-hmm. Destroying purpose. Funny enough, you and I feel the exact same way about kids. Look, a dog, same thing with dogs, right? Uh There are some dogs that have purpose, and then there are some dogs that want to destroy your purpose. I have met many a golden retriever who have tried to destroy my purpose. Mm -hmm. You're not going to see me with a golden retriever that's going to destroy my purpose, that's for sure. No, you're too smart for that. You're one step ahead of these guys. So it seems like you're doing a lot of uh, moving in this apartment has really kind of opened up a lot of um, like thoughts for you and uh, like the way you kind of approach things. Has any of that ever led to you wanting to go back to the desert and just be of the desert as you were for four years prior? Mm, um, there's a phrase that goes, you can take the woman out of the desert but you can't take the desert out of the woman. Uh-huh. Uh, I feel like I haven't really left the desert. I feel like my spirit is still in the desert and my body is here in Los Alamos. And I think it's just a matter of when will we reunite again, body and spirit. Um, I don't know. I do like television, I've discovered. Yeah. I do like the amenities of being able to communicate and send letters to my friends and family and receive them in a in a mailbox. That's always yeah. lovely. Um, and the idea of uh, of going back out to the desert at this point in my life feels like incorrect at this point. You said you discovered that you liked television after you got back out of the desert. I, prior to that, I mean, you were only living there for a couple of years. Did you not have TV before your before your exodus to the desert? I did have television. Um, however, I believed that it was the devil's box. Mm. As you can imagine, I grew up slightly in a cult. Um, and the cult was not fond of television. Um, however, I was the bad one in the cult and I did like to sneak off and have, uh, my rendezvous with, uh, television, but alas, um, 
Yeah, that was probably the hardest part of going to the desert, to be quite frank, is not being able to watch television. I must admit to you, uh, Lily, I I did not imagine that you grew up in a cult. I, I completely missed it. I do apologize. I think it's making things a lot clearer now. You know, desert walks for four years and then coming back to an apartment and, and talking about purpose and destroying purpose. So uh, I hope if I've been insensitive in any way, I do apologize. Uh, that That's my fault. Um, it is your fault. So what is your relationship like with the cult now? Are you still participating in cult-like activities or cult-related activities? Mm, and no. is there a name of the cult that you're comfortable telling everybody? Yeah, it's a very small cult. It consisted of only about 13 people. Um, my mother was at the helm of it. And it's something where... I feel like it's behind me. And mm-hmm. if I want to live by my own rules, I don't want to be, mom, go away. I don't sure. want to be under her rule. And um, I, I want to live by my own rules. But yeah, the cult was a strange one. They believed that um M&Ms were listening in on us and looking to destroy the planet. So they were an anti-M&M cult organization. Yeah. Um, They wanted to abolish M&Ms. And needless to say, uh, that didn't happen. (laughs) Uh, So what's your relationship like with M&Ms now? Are you pro, con? This is so incredible. Did they even get close to destroying M&M's too? That's another question I'd like to know. Mm, um, The closest they came to destroying M&M's was running into the local convenience store and stealing a package from the local... the local convenience store owner, Mr. Neal, who was actually a really nice guy. Um, Why we did that to Mr. Neal, I don't know. He's been nothing but kind to my family and the cult. But anyway. Collateral um, damage. That was, yep, that was the extent. And I hope Mr. Neal was able to recoup that cost uh, and that loss. But um, no, unfortunately, uh, M&M's is still, do I want to feel, do I want to, feel a candy coated chocolate candy in my mouth yes can i no um you can't do it you're not are you not allowed or are you phys- you physically can't do it it's the mental hurdle right so a little bit of both it, it's the mental hurdle it, i see that brown packaging mm-hmm. i see the very specific m n m font and uh it brings back horrible memories and uh i don't know it eh. needless to say uh when i do halloween uh trick-or-treating for the kids uh this year in the old apartment complex m&ms will not be in my bucket that's for sure so lily this is i i'm so fascinated with this you have you've walked out on a cult you walked out on wells fargo's to go live in the woods and now you've walked out on the desert to come live in to live in civilization, as you as you said. What are you doing now to keep busy? I mean, there's so much there. Like I feel like you've left so much behind. What 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 does the future look like for you? Um, a lot of uh, embroidery. I uh, I really love embroidery. I think embroidery is in my future. Yeah. Um, mini golf 
Have you ever? Oh, I love mini golf. It's a wonderful activity. It's so fun. Mini golf, embroidery. These are things you can't find in the desert. Um, It's funny when you say back to me, oh, it feels like you've been through a lot, Lily. I don't. It's funny to hear those words because to me it was just normal. And to mm-hmm. think that like, no, are you telling me that people don't just work at a bank one day and hand a lollipop over to a customer and decide to walk out and go into the desert that that's not normal? <laughs> I mean, okay. <laughs> I'm believing you, Adam. But anyway, I think it's embroidery and mm-hmm. mini golf and... Making sure I stay away from dogs who aren't trying to destroy my purpose. I, I mean, I think if we can all do one of three of those things every day, I think we'd be all we'd all be much better off. I think so too. But also, to any of your listeners who are considering leaving that job at the bank or your insurance firm or at the Macy's, you just walk out, you leave. Yeah. You hand over that metaphorical lollipop and you just go, go to the desert. Yeah. You will find that you will find the desert and the desert will find you. And then come find a nice apartment over in Los Alamos, New Mexico, settle down a bit and, you know, maybe catch up on the last few seasons of MASH. Folks, I'm not going to tell you to not do it, but I'm I'm certainly not going to distract you. Or, or I, I Look, do it. Give it a shot. Why Quit not? your job. Go live in the desert. Go live in the desert. If I can do it, you can do it. Everything seems to have worked out great for you, Lily. So yeah, I think this is perfect. I have a great life, Adam. I am currently in the midst of uh, opening my own florist shop. That's, That's why great. I know a lot about I know a lot about arrangements. I'm getting my certification in florist um arrangements. So I'm I'm doing fantastic. And I it's been an interesting life as you are pointing out to me, but uh to me it's just been life. And uh if I can offer any advice, it's that have some MMs. They're not that bad. As far as I can tell, it's never destroyed anybody's life. But, um, you know, when you have this message beaten into your head for so many years, uh, enjoy the M&Ms because uh, I can't do it. I think it's just a it's a really succinct way of saying something that you might enjoy and might bring you happiness might look scary. But if you can work past that fear, you find that it's true. Um, I think wiser words were never said. Lily Lang, thank you so much for coming by. I can't wait to get to Los Alamos, New Mexico. Um, I I will be happy to welcome you. Um, just keep an eye out uh, in case uh, bizarre things are happening. And God forbid, I don't want you to get murdered or uh, catch on fire out of the blue. So, you, Well, you- I'm going to come up there or over there or wherever it is away from Corona, and we're going to talk about it and how I experienced your town. Lily Lang, thank you so much for coming by. Thank you so much for having me, Adam. Thank you so much for listening to My Neighbors Are Dead. I've been your host, Adam Peacock. The show is produced by myself with Nate DeFort and edited by Nate DeFort. 
Original music was done by Jesse Case, along with Dane Halverson, and our original artwork was done by Mark Nishan. Thank you so much to Kimberly Trong for coming by and playing Lily Lang. You can catch Kimberly out as the host of the Crush Fictionally podcast. Get that wherever you get your podcasts. If you like the show and you want to support us, please like and subscribe. And if you'd like to donate to the show, you can find us on patreon.com at my neighbors are dead. Follow us on Instagram at my neighbors are dead and on Twitter at my dead neighbors. Again, thank you so much for listening to the show and we'll see you next week. This is Patrick. And this is Mark, co-host of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Every Tuesday and Thursday, we're your home for all things Nintendo. On Tuesday, we're talking about the latest Nintendo news. And on Thursday, we're doing deep dives into specific corners of the Nintendo universe. Ranking the Koopa Kids. Determining who the best Smash Fighter is. That's Nintendo Cartridge Society on Campfire Media or wherever you get your podcasts. Campfire.